0: Welcome to another episode of Veterans Growing America podcast, and I am here with my main man Donnell John again, and he's always bringing that fire because we got another special guest with us today. We have Rick Robinson, and he is a multi-winning director, <laughs> and he is the man, and he is here to give us some gems. Welcome to the show, my Man.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate the the invitation first. I'll help you out with the cinematography. I think the thing is is, is it's a, one of the things I learned a long time ago is learning how to say it is 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 half the challenge, and once you've mastered that, then you're halfway there
0: absolutely,
1: um, but yeah, just to uh, shoot with your first question,
2: yeah, so. You know, we're veterans growing Americans. Our audience really wants to know about your military history and experience. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So
1: I came in the Marine Corps in 1974. Whoa. Yeah, 1974. Then they had two-year enlistment. So I came in as a two-year enlistment, and then I transferred from supply to combat camera because I wanted to be a cameraman. So that's what that's how it started. Went to school for that. I had some schools in uh, Pensacola, Florida, was uh, my A school. Um, And then later, I was lucky enough to get selected to get my cinematography, my degree from the University of Southern California Cinema Television. So that's kind of a very prestigious time and something I'm really, really proud of. I spent 12 years active duty, and then at some point, I decided to I wanted to do more I wanted to really go to Hollywood and make movies so that's what I that's what I set out to do and the first opportunity I had well, the first film that I had an opportunity to to work on was coming to America uh, back then it was just called Zamunda the working <laughs> so coming to America and, and and that's where I met my wife and so now we 30 34 years later we're still married but we went on to work on Coming to America. And then I worked with her on Harlem Nights, which is another Eddie Murphy film. My wife was, worked at the time, she worked with Eddie Murphy. And so she was uh, one of Eddie's, she was an executive with him. And from that point, at some point, she kept coming home and she kept coming to visit. And then eventually, how I used to make a joke, when you first start dating, when she puts her name on the answering machine, you're done. So, <laughs> but it's been a very incredible ride. I was able to parlay what I did in the in the military into do and to parlay that into the real world, and I've been very fortunate and blessed.
0: Hey, and and speaking of some of those real world experiences and transitioning to the military, what are some of the biggest gems or things that you learned in the military that transferred into the film industry?
1: I will say being a Marine, I'm going to toot the horn a little bit. There's a certain character of of what you learn <clears throat> and you identify from the day you get off the bus in boot camp. You're instilled and you learn about the principles of leadership and some of the things that stick with you no matter how long. That's why they say, once a Marine, always a Marine is true. And that uh, some of the principles and some of the things that you learn and that it stays with you for the rest of your life. And I think that's one of the things that I can say that I use those same principles, whether it's in today in film, whether I'm doing a documentary or whether I'm doing you know, a a commercial or music video, it's the same kind of thing because you work with people in positions of leadership where you have to be able to, as the director of photography, you're the second or third person in charge of the look of the film. You're the second person under the director. As the director, if I'm the director, then I have a team of professionals that I depend on. And, but it comes back to leadership, comes back to the principles of being able to have someone if you are in combat and you want someone to follow you, you have to set the example. And you know, you can't expect someone to say, they're gonna follow you if you don't have your act together. Those are the things I've found. And I've learned that from other leaders um, that I've had the, the pleasure of either serving with or people who are I've interviewed Medal of honor recipients that all had the same thing because it's never about it's never about them. It's never their story. Getting pulling teeth from them is getting their story. But once you get them going, it goes down to they did something bigger than themselves. And it was always about looking out for the welfare of their their people. I don't know if I answered the question.
2: No, you you answered the question. So you said when you got out of the Marine Corps, you decided that you wanted to go to Hollywood. And then the first film that you were on was Coming to America. First of all, that, that film right there got me through Desert Storm. That was my first assignment when I got out of basic training. I went from basic training, AIT, to Desert Storm. And so thank you for that. But when you said that you transitioned from the military and then decided to go to Hollywood, what, what are some of the... I know it wasn't that easy where you just went to Hollywood and they just put you on that film. What are some of the stuff that you had to go through in your transition process that either made it easier for you or harder for you or tell yeah, me a little th- bit.
1: Yeah, I think it's, every story is different. Every person is different. You know, it's just that you have to be able to figure out what it is that you want and once you to, det- because so many prongs in, in the film and television industry that you could that you could be in and that you can get into. You determine whether you want to do television, whether you want to do, feature films. or So each one of those have a niche. And so you, once you find that niche and find out how to get into that niche, Hollywood is a catch-22 and it's always been that way. Um, you can't get a job on a real film unless you're in a union. You can't get in a union unless on a job. It's one of those things that it's really hard to navigate. And, and sometimes It used to be a thing where everybody, the only way you got in, if you were related to someone, I think it's for me, my whole thing was, is I just need, I just wanted to make sure that I was with my, I was honest with, I was honest with myself and that I just wanted to make movies and I wanted to do what it took for me to be able to get in there and find out who the big players were, where the watering holes were that they hung out and that was it.
0: Now checking your background I see you've won multiple awards, but let me ask you this. What do you feel like is the most impactful film that you have done?
1: You know what? I'll put it this way. Making films and making movies in Hollywood was a was something that you know, when I meet people who say they that's their aspiration, they want to do that. I say go ahead and do it. Get it out of your system. At a certain point, I left Hollywood and I came to when the Obama administration came about, I wanted to do something different. I was able to trade working with Hollywood stars to work with the military stars, you know, so that put me in a situation where I was working with a different set of players. And these were people who were at the highest echelon that you can think from the president of the United States and his cabinet members all the way down, being able to support them being able to be in situations where you were not only representing history, but being a part of that, but documenting history is something that's, it's an honorable thing to do. And that was something I really enjoyed.
2: You had the opportunity of working with the the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Can you give us one thing that you learned from working with him?
1: Michael Jackson is someone that when I first got the call, the first time I I missed an opportunity to do a, a music video with him. And the call, I was bummed because I missed the call. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a call from the same, from a, a, someone different, to do to go in for one day to work with them. And then that one day turned into a couple of years. That took them the world tour. That took me from working with Michael Jackson. Let me back up a little bit. I started with my first opportunity was with Whitney Houston. Whitney Mm. Houston called one day and my wife answered the phone and she said, this guy called and wanted to know if you were available. And I said, let me talk to him. So he talked to me and said, hey, listen, got an opportunity if you wanted to work with my team with Whitney Houston on her world tour. And I said, you know what? It's a little bit different than what I've been doing. I've been doing feature films and commercials and music videos. And I said, let me think about it. So I put the phone down and said, okay. (laughs) "Okay." First of all, where is the tour? He says, the world tour. So it's all around the world. So I said, okay, that's a little bit different. Yeah, why not? Let's do that. That led to working with, after that tour was over with Paul McCartney. I did Paul McCartney's tour, world tour. Same thing. Started in Australia and went all around the world. And then from Paul McCartney went to Michael Jack. No, I think it was Paula Abdul and then Michael Jackson, and then I did, I I snuck in a couple of other uh, Jacksons, what's his name, Uh, the country singer, Alan Jackson, worked with them. And then at some point, I went back to wanting to make movies, you know? And then at the point where I was, there was a point in my career where Hollywood, that whole issue of strikes, no strike, on, off, runaway production, the Los Angeles was just greedy about work and they wanted with collecting monies and stuff for production companies and charging them, they got tired of it. And they they started something called Runaway Production. So that turned out to be people and strikes and people decided um, they couldn't work because people took their productions to other places like Canada and Atlanta. And so a lot of people left and at some point, we all owned our own properties, and you know, I had two properties that you know, I couldn't stand to lose. So what I did, I had to pivot. That's an old military thing. I pivoted, and the pivot was to go, I accepted a position in Southeast Asia to teach at a film school, and also to be an artist in residence there to be able to do productions on the side with them. So that gave me an opportunity. So I did it. I was able to do that. I taught cinematography. I taught lighting. I taught, but at the same time, I also did three feature films. They were big budgeted films that were in Southeast Asia. So we did one film in, in, in China. We did one film in Vietnam. We did one film in India. It gave me an opportunity to spend, to play with some opportunities and to do some things that I could do that was different. The players were different. The, you know, I was in certain countries where I was the only American on the crew, and I had to, and China was really a challenge because I was not only the only African American, I was the only American on the crew, and I didn't speak Chinese, so I had to have everything interpreted. So that was kind of interesting because China being a communist country, when you ask, you know, someone to do something, and I think at some point it took a time for them for us to learn each other and to be able to respect each other. And when I would say, hey, I need you to move this light. I want this look. I want this to happen, this to happen. And at first they would look at you and that's it. And I'd have my interpreter. I said, tell him, I, I don't like the light there. I want the light here. And he says, blah, 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 blah. And then I said, what did he say? He said, okay. I said, no, he, he <laughs> more than that. But we got through it. And it turned out, you know, it was a great experience. But yeah, that was again goes back to my military opportunities of being able to lead and to be able to have people respect you and work with you in different situations.
0: Hey, now you have decades in the game and and so many other experiences that you can kind of give back to the younger folks. For someone wanting to get into the film industry, what are some things that you would tell them to do? From what you've known then and your transition into now, what are some things that you would tell them, hey, this is one way to get your foot in the door and this is how you stay consistent with you with this
1: path? First of all, know what you want. So there's so many facets in film and television and music. You know, there are so many opportunities. So you just have to find out what it is that, that inspires you, what it is you want to do. And then just come up with a game plan. I mean, it's not impossible. Today, we live in a world, man, that's just completely different from when I where I started. There was no internet, you know? So now you have internet, everything. If you don't know something and you want to know something, how to do it, YouTube. And there's nothing hidden. I mean, it's wide open and it's now with AI and stuff. I mean, it's wide open and you don't even have to know where to go or have to rely on certain people to do certain things. I mean, you just have to be aggressive in your own understanding and what of what you want, and it's out there.
2: That's awesome. And so now you're at a place where you're helping out your son, and he has a business
1: called Sandbags and Soap. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know where the sandbags came from, right? Sandbags. <laughs> exactly. Sandbags, because he came up with soap and bath bombs and body scrubs. And so we were talking one day and I said, you know, I kind of like sandbags and soap because the sandbags, you, you take bombs or you take the bath bombs that you make. And if you crush them into dust, then that's the sandbags and soap, you sell soap and you have a variety of soap. He was growing up at some point, he had um, some things that he was always concerned about in terms of his skin. And at one point he was able to, after he... Well, first of all, let me back up. He he finished school and he finished high school up to the 10th grade, 11th and 12th grade. He was able to test out, um, and so test out of that in California. We grew up, he, he could test out of that, and so he was able to go to college at 20. So, I'm sorry, at 16. Uh, and so he was able to do that. Now he's graduated, he's got a degree at from in Dallas, and now he's in law school. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to develop that business by providing soap that was, it's more of a skin treatment in terms of understanding the skin. We actually studied at Harvard. He took some courses in Harvard that actually helped him to understand what it is and how, what the pluses and minuses of skincare. And that helped him develop, working with a Canadian company to develop the soaps that he wanted to have certain vitamins and certain ingredients. So it was kind of ingenious to me that he came up with this, with GOAT. And I, I, of course it was, uh, GOAT stands for the greatest of all times, but I was thinking because they had goat milk and they had (laughs) attributes that were essential, that was something that it was a connection there, that he had a double meaning to the company. So we ran with it. And what my whole thing is that as a young African-American We've always had, my wife and I have always tried to instill in all of our kids um, that we, that there is nothing that they can't do. And that that if they try to, if they run up across someone who tries to stop them, if they've got the gatekeepers that say, you cannot come in here, then it says, okay, then you go around the back. Because there's always another way, up, down, around, however you have to do it. And that's what it's come to. You know, I've got three kids. I got two, one in law school, one attorney, one is an attorney already. And I've got my, the oldest, which I affectionately refer to him as the boomerang. So he's the one that he's very adventurous to get out there and do it, but he'll come
0: back. So how do we get a hold of this soap? Do we have some, some socials or some contact?
1: Sandbagsandsoap.com and then soap for Instagram. As you can tell, I'm not the spokesman for the soap. Uh, I'm the one that actually, well, I, I I support it because the bath bombs and the scrubs, that's my domain, but there's nobody better that talks about the operation. So right now we have been vendoring at VGA and we've had, we're at Springfield Mall and we've been we're spreading out now. So there's some other opportunities that we're exploring. And so we're looking at now opening up a a, a brick and mortar, and so we'll see we'll keep you keep you up to date on t- on the progress of that, but all of it's a tribute to Noah and his his brainchild and the, my wife and and everybody who's who supported him and and we continue to support not just him but them, everybody uh, in the family t- for uh, for their endures
2: That's huge, that's huge and i've I've witnessed it being a family affair. I met your daughter who's also a, a, an attorney, and your your son, Noah, who's an amazing individual, and just listening to him and the stories that he has about, you know, growing up and the people that he's met. You know, at VGA, we call each other family members, and it's good to have your family a part of the VGA family. Can you talk to the people a little bit about why you guys chose Veterans Growing America and your what your experience has been?
1: Our story is not different from a lot of the other people. We walked by and had no idea. We saw this Veterans Growing American. I said, I had no idea what that meant. So we walked past it a couple of times. And then I think one day we actually stopped and went, went in and we found out what it was and we were embraced. We, we felt like we were embraced the moment we walked in. And it's an environment that I feel comforting, and I'll tell you something and you you and I have talked, and I think one of the things if there's for me the most important message that i could that I think is important for me to to talk about here is the United States have been in combat for over twenty years to over two decades in that two decades, there were a lot of people who some gave all and all gave some. That's a powerful medium when you stop and think about it. <clears throat> one of the things that are that's so important is people who have suffered injuries, some visible, some not visible. This is a place where people can, they have a, there's a common denominator where you have brothers and sisters who all have experienced that and understand that. And in places where the only people, our closest family members don't understand the fact that the camaraderie that we have there is because you have someone else that has Endured that like experience that you can only talk to them about because your family members, it's not that they don't love you, they don't understand. They don't understand when you say, when you have a bond with someone else and they say, you don't even know. No, we do. We do because we shared an experience that we all understand. And it's when you raise your right hand, when you say, you take that oath, no matter what branch of service, that's something that most people don't understand until they've done it. Yeah, and, and that's important to me. When I see, when I travel and I see all these veterans that are homeless in the streets, and you see people who don't even know what they have available to them in terms of opportunities or things that the VA offers, and there's no way of training them or getting them to understand. My biggest thing is that I was diagnosed with PTSD, but the thing is, is that not just that, I had brain surgery. I had multiple brain surgeries um, that I had to overcome and I had to deal with that, those brain surgeries. And those are the things that unless they see a bandage or cast or brace, most people think he's talking, he sounds okay and he looks okay. They don't see it because they don't know that I'm not okay because they, I do have deficiencies that I know. And, and if you're around me, um, my family and people who know, um, they understand my deficiencies, so they help me finish my sentences sometimes and they embrace me for who I am and what I'm dealing with, even though other people don't see it or understand it. That's the thing that's important. I think that VGA helps and that there's an understanding of that and, and understanding the importance of what that camaraderie is and how important that camaraderie is. doesn't matter whether you're Army, Navy. We, we joke each other, but you know what? Um, one team, one fight.
2: That's beautiful. Thank you for that. And thank you for being a part of Veterans Growing America. We are honored to have you a part of the uh, VGA family. And thank you for sharing your story today. It's been hugely impactful. Uh, you said one thing that really hit me is know what you want. And that's the overarching thing that you said is know what you want. And then once you understand who the players are, go after it.
1: Yep, that's true. And, I'm sorry. One, one thing, once you have it, once you have it here, And you have it here. No, one's going to stop you.
0: Mm. We really appreciate your time and your wisdom. Thank you so much for taking the time. Truly appreciate it. Definitely, once again, sandbagsandsoap.com. Everybody, make sure you check it out. Thank you so much for being a part of the VGA family. And Donnell, bring us home, man. How do they support VGA?
2: I need y'all to do two things. Number one, go to our social media platform. Find your favorite social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, not TikTok though. We're not on TikTok. And follow Veterans Growing America. That's the first thing that you can do. And whenever you see a post from us or share it or comment or do all three, you could also visit us on our website, veteransgrowingamerica.com and do the same there. Share it with a friend, share it with a family. And if you guys want to donate to our organization, please do that as well. By you uh, supporting us, you're supporting so many veterans in entrepreneurship, where they have a space, place, and opportunity to learn and grow. Thank you so much, Rick. It's been a pleasure. Uh, You're always, from the moment that I met you, I was like, I know this guy, this guy is amazing, so I appreciate you. And you treated uh, my family like family. And so does your wife. Uh, She's amazing. Let her know that this show is dedicated to her. <laughs> she plays a huge role every time I see her. And she has that big old smile on her face. And the way that she loves you and your entire family and VGA is amazing. So tell Dawn we say it. thank you.
1: I am nothing without her and, and the support of my family. So I appreciate that very much. And I will belay that. Thank you. And you know what? In parting, hoora. No,
2: wait a minute. Whoa! <laughs> we'll let you get away with that one.
0: <laughs>
2: Have a great evening.
0: All right, and to remember, all you got to do is Shop shout it, at- over <laughs> and out.